Here we go. Roll for initiative. Welcome back to Starlight. It's been some zany episodes. Um, it's been really fun. As Eris put it, it is not true D&D until the rogue gets a crazy side quest. And this has been a ton of fun. And I'm really excited to jump in and find out what's going on with the Capoeira Bay. Is there Capoeira Bay? What's in the hole? And as, as the crew gets their rebreathers that they could have potentially gotten for free. So it's been a victory all around. Victory for all of us. As usual, I'm joined by the wonderful Sam Williams, who plays Clive Jensen, Atlas Kashin, played by Nathan, and Courtney Yorks, playing Ray Byrne. And most important of all, our guest of honor, Eris, who is here with us through some of the probably craziest episodes we have <laughs> uh, in terms of goofiness. It's and, my honor. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and, and has brought such a wonderful uh, vibe and banter. I'm, I, I, I'm Eris, and uh, I'm playing Artixis Albane and Bartholomew. And oh boy, are you. So with that, uh, welcome to this episode of Starlight. The spacers are prepared at last to take the deep dive. Following a busy day at market in with which wares were bought, locals were harassed, and information was gathered, the crew prepares to dive in after the UFO which burrowed deep below the Osmarian shield wall. According to the local storyteller and short-term ally Tauntaun, what Artixus saw was likely an actual Capoearbe, an ancient denzine of the sea, and its power to call Hydra is likely tied to a peculiar stone curiously similar to that of the Christos Shard. Memories retrieved. Then we open up with choosing some inspiration. And so as we do always in our third episode recording, we open up with a vote. I think I'm going to cast my vote for Atlas. Reason being, he's literally in conjunction with Clive, but it seems like, Nathan, you're really taking over, over the role of trying to hold this party together, and uh, that's not been your normal role, and I think that you're doing a good job. So that you're my vote for inspiration, and then go ahead. Who do you guys vote for? Mm, I'd have to vote for Ray, because it's only been a few episodes since she's been introduced, but she's already made uh, quite quite an impact, I would say. It's true. Uh, I think uh, I think my vote's also going to go to Atlas because uh, Atlas is doing some major damage control, um, <laughs> throwing those Benjamins around. <laughs> Money talks. Money talks. Go ahead. Oh no, I was just say I'll, I'll give mine to Ray. More as just a player, just because it was funny, even though it cost me a lot of credits. <laughs> um, it was still entertaining. Dry girl. <laughs> if I vote for you, Atlas, and it's tied. And if I were McKenna, I would never vote for you to have an inspiration. But what do we do if it's tied? We'll do a roll off. Okay, because I definitely think you should get it. You're doing a great job holding the party together. And it's definitely not in your normal resume. So that, that's, that's three to two. That's yeah. not a roll off. Oh, wait. Yes. Wait. You voted Atlas. You voted Atlas. You voted Atlas. Yeah. Oh, no, there we go. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Okay. Just to explain. I appreciate it. Also, thank you guys for the inspiration. Um, I'll make sure I mark that down. Alex. Okay. To explain why Atlas, because I, I noticed that it is a little out of character. So something within the three months, kind of, was that obviously. So Atlas has been going, and I think he's kind of sh- not a lot. He hasn't shared a huge amount, but Alice obviously has been going through some. Uh, I wouldn't call it therapy, but it would, I would call it. Uh, Soul searching. Uh, in a sense, yeah. Um, he's been forced to speak to some. Uh, he's been forced to speak to a professional. I mean, that hasn't affected him too much. It makes him try to think a little more. But uh, the big thing is too with like the taking care of the like team in a sense is that the Kashin family has kind of 
put him in a role of watching over both Clive and Ray. I know that it seems very out of character for Alice from previous episode. I always wanted to clarify kind of like the three months a little bit and then why he's taking it so serious in a sense. Then we pull up to the sunrise and the waking up from the accommodations to Atlas, Ray, Clive, and Artixis, with which they have even dragged to their own accommodations. I really don't know why I have a bed back at home, but you know. And they eventually come to the security forces of the city, and they meet with Quartermaster, so to speak. The man scratches his tawny hair and... Yeah, rebreather? I suppose we got a few of those you guys could take. Borrow, return when you're done with them. How many? Just two, right? Well, there's... Are we counting him and him? And he points at Tauntaun and at Artixis. No, but I think I heard you only have two left, right? Uh, no, no, we have a, we have a whole <laughs> closet. You weren't supposed to say that. You were supposed to say you only had two you, left, and I was giving you all the right cues to say that. Do I know you? Yes, we met a long time ago, remember? I'm joking. I'm just trying not to stress Atlas out, because I bought them for like 12,000 credits. Oh. Yeah. Well, we have extra. You'll have to return them, of course. Can I sell you the ones that we got? Uh, the city usually buys at a discounted rate. <laughs> Who do you buy from? Usually we get a shipment from the bigger cities. <laughs> it's just All making right. it worse. I'm sorry, Atlas. It's fine. It's part of the mission, so. You guys are then given rebreathers. Is there anything else I can do for you fine folks? Uh, no, but uh, I, I will make sure all of these are brought back in uh, working condition, and if there's any uh, damage or anything, I'll make sure I do all the repairs. I think our own can take care of the repairs, but I do appreciate <laughs> you bringing it back. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Boy, I would... you're not very well liked around here, are you? Uh... You know, you uh, blow up the wall of a bar and uh, accidentally reduce it, uh, release a noxious gas that clears out an entire neighborhood for an entire week, um, and, uh, and all of a sudden everybody uh, just uh, gives you a wide berth. You know, I still want no idea why they do that. Yeah, I mean, uh, everybody makes mistakes. Uh, some people's professions are just uh, the mistakes are a little bit more tangible. Alrighty. Are you guys uh, ready to go see where this water god is? Yes. Well, I wouldn't really say it's a god, but... Apawarbase. Close enough. Tauntaun puts on his uh, rebreather as you guys start to get closer and closer. The air is crisp, that kind of morning fall air, and the wind tells of something secret. The water sloshes as you come closer and closer to the hole, and you are met by the sounds of flames and the sounds of hydras, and you are allowed past by the security forces to the site. And you can see the hole that Atlas and Clive helped excavate a little bit. You all gather around. Tauntaun looks over at Artixis. You said Bartholomew could do some scouting? Uh, yes, of course. Uh, ba- uh, Bartholomew, uh, maneuver uh, Zeta 3, um, uh, dark vision uh, activated, and uh, scouting mode, please. Activating. And then it drags its belly up to the hole, and then it. And just you see the last bit of its tail disappear into the dark. Bartholomew, please go ahead and roll an investigation roll. All right. That's a six. Bartholomew's entire vision is taken up by fish. It's so clogged up with fish. There's points where it's almost like a wall that Bartholomew has to break through. Bartholomew, however, continues further and further downward, but then it, it, it just gets so dark and filled with, like, 
this like kind of like dark slime that wipes onto all of his sensors that Bartholomew can't really make out much. The only things that Bartholomew can make out looks to be this deep channel of something that burrowed down within. There appears to be some sort of odd shaped thing at the very bottom. It's rounded and has like some jagged portions missing. And the only other thing Bartholomew can make out through the slime slickened sensors is this almost like other passageway that continues away, but he can't make out like whether it's just like an underwater cave or channel. And then there is like just this kind of faint light coming from the end of it. And that's all Bartholomew can make out. Uh, all right, well, um, oh God. Yeah, he's made it to the bottom of the, uh, he's, ma- he's made it to the bottom of the channel, but um, there's, there's an object down there, uh, something, I mean, it might, it might be what fell through the wall, but I'm not, I think there's actually a secondary tunnel down there, uh, but there's, oh jeez, I mean, we're gonna have to be careful, there's a lot of sea life, um, make sure your rebreathers are, uh, um, appropriately attached, um, there's, a. It, it might be a little bit of a tight fit down there. Thanks for the heads up. Hi, you're welcome. Alrighty, Atlas is gonna take off his jacket and, and then his metallic tail is gonna he's gonna have that come out. And then Great. I hate <laughs> water so much. Hate it. And now I have to go under there. Ugh. It's just like kinda shaking off nerves and everything. It's like okay, here we go. Okay, well, <laughs> I'm not gonna uh, leave my buddy down there waiting, so throw down my uh, my goggles, um, make sure that the rebreather is strapped on, and uh, uh, plug my nose and draw the bow. And... Athletics roll. <laughs> that is a zero. Immediately as you're swimming, your, your clothes get snagged on the side of a rock. You just get kind of stuck. You, you try to pull yourself away. I want you to go ahead and make one more athletics roll, but uh, disadvantage. Four. <laughs> Ray, please roll a die 100. 37. <laughs> oh no. As you are stuck in this part of this crater that is probably about 35 feet wide on, on the edge of this like rock, you continue pulling, 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 and finally you pull and you're free and you're able to swim the rest of the way down to Atlas. Everything seems fine. Tauntaun follows this beautiful swan (laughs) dive and then breaststroke. And eventually you all come down to the bottom. The particulars on the rebreather for you guys is it requires attunement. Uh, while wearing this, you can breathe normally in any environment, and you have advantage on saving throws made against harmful gases and vapors, inhaled poisons, and the breath weapons of certain things. Okay. It doesn't make me feel as bad anymore. <laughs> the bottom as a group what you see is the bottom of this like crater that was created by whatever it is that crashed down there is green slime everywhere and you guys notice multiple things first off whatever crashed down here was not a comet you see what appears to be the remnants of some sort of escape pod you see the metallic parts everywhere you see the front of it where the uh, reinforced windows would have been smashed open you can see things floating within you also see fish swimming in these giant schools but not in a circle in a line and Bartholomew is pointing down this long hallway that you see starts off as like a normal cave but then begins to turn into like a masoned walls and steps that lead up to some sort of archaic doorway but the fish are swimming towards this doorway that is lit by like a 
kind of greenish blue glow on the other side. But the weird thing is that it looks like there's a wall of water that just stops at the doorway. And the fish are swimming up to the to the wall and then poking through and disappearing on the other side. Um, Artixis is going to uh, doggy paddle over towards uh, um, Bartholomew and grab the handle on his back. Well, uh... I mean, while we're here, we might as well inspect this, uh, this pod. And uh, I'm going to direct Bartholomew to wriggle his way over there and see if I can get a better look at it. Get over to the pod. It's hard to tell what the original shape of the pod used to be, but it looks to be almost like potentially something kind of teardrop-shaped. Clive, go ahead and make a culture check on that with advantage given your past history with starships. Nat 20. So as Artixis begins searching through it, you recognize that it is one of the rarer kinds of makes. It is a make known to a very reclusive race that only has a few beings left. This was made by Dragonborn. Uh, after looking over the pot a little bit, I've had some experience in dealing with these, considering I'm a pilot. Uh, this is a kind of ship I haven't seen in quite a while. Almost. I guess you could say it's almost ancient. Do any of you know of of the Dragonborn? Who the ship belonged to? Tauntaun raises a hand as he comes closer. I've heard something of the Dragonborn. I know a little bit of the history anyways before the guild harvested their planet for fuel. If this ship really did belong to them, what is it doing way down here? How long ago was it that their planet was used for resources. How long has it been since anyone's really seen the Dragonborn? Seems kind of odd that it would just show up now. That is odd. Artix, is there a Dragonborn in there? I love What do you see? Hold on, I'm, uh, I'm still kind of, I'm clearing through the window. Hold on, one, one second. Um. Artixis um, pulls out a um, stick and snaps it and it starts glowing. And I'm going to use one of my three magical tinkerings um, okay. to uh, create a, uh, a dimly glowing uh, object. Whole area turns like a virulent, like, violet. Go ahead and make an investigation roll with advantage now. Twenty-three. Ooh. You see what looks to be like miscellaneous things in there. Amongst the wreckage, you see what looks to be some sort of like hollow chip device used to record messages. That's kind of like underneath support beam in there. A very small support beam. You could easily move it. I'm gonna try to wriggle my way in while I'm communicating this back. I don't see any. Uh, I don't see any people or dragonborn, but uh, I mean there's. I think there's a recording device in here. You get in there, you, you you pull it out. It's pretty easy to get to, and it's about the size of your palm. And it seems, well, it's hard to tell if it works at this point, but you have it. And the other thing that you notice is it looks like someone fired a weapon into the interior of the pod. You can see like the mm. scorch mark of some sort of a bolt in the background. Um, and the last thing that you see is what looks like some sort of clothing that is cut and like the fabric is stuck on the edge from where you crawled in. You poke your head out and you see another disturbance as if something was like swimming, half dragging itself along the floor. And you can, you can see it in like where the slicked uh, green algae is where it's been disturbed and it leads up the stairs to the, to the north and up towards that weird water wall that the fish are all going towards. There's no body, but uh, we might not be completely out of luck. Um, I'll probably have to get on uh, dry land to get this recording device repaired, but um, who wants to uh, go towards the spooky underwater door first? Atlas will swim towards the door. As you get closer to the door, Atlas, it begins to look like you're looking through clouded glass. On the other side, you can just barely make out what look like piles of fish. The fish continue going past you, and it's like they're wriggling through this door, and then you watch as it just fall, just on the other side, onto a pile. You look past, and you can see, almost as if someone had built some sort of like stone tomb or masoned building down here 
it's as if the water has been parted so that it it there is a little bit of water that looks like it's like running on the ceiling about a few inches and a little bit of water that's running on the floor about a few inches and something is like keeping the water from filling the space you can see regularly set uh technological piece set in the walls that cast a green bluish light and you can see old paintings and it looks like some sort of long hallway with rubble at the far end if i go out slowly does that mean i uh like i would just be falling so the the reason they're falling is the fish are swimming like wherever the water allows them to oh, okay and then there's like an absence of water but the, the floor seems to continue at okay. the same then yeah rate. alice will obviously make himself upright and start to to enter the room. One hand goes through and you feel air on the foot. Your foot steps through and you feel the fish crushing beneath your feet. And then another foot tentatively steps through. The last thing through is your chest and your head. And suddenly you are trudging through fish that like go up to your knees. And so everything in there is difficult terrain. You find yourself in some sort of like old masoned tunnel. There is still algae on the walls. There is still like this dank, fetid smell, and now mixed in with the rot of like fish that have long died. But you find yourself, for all intents and purposes, in some sort of topsy turvy, weird world under the sea. telling me is Arctixis is up to his neck in fish right now. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what he's telling me. Uh, this is gross. I don't like this. Anybody want uh, tilapia for dinner? <laughs> oh, well, this is a sight for, for eyes, isn't it? And as you look into this room now more specifically, you see that this place was built by something intelligent. Not only because of the masoned walls and whatever device is keeping the water held on both the ceiling and also on the floors and keeping it parted in between. But you see a doorway directly to the left of Clive, uh, about 10 feet in. And then it looks like rubble that's another 10 feet down from you, continuing northward. Past the rubble, it's kind of hard to make out what is there, but it looks like the rubble is unintentional. It looks like part of the ceiling collapsed and the water now runs over the top of the rubble as if it's a part of the floor. And then part of where the ceiling like caved in a little bit, it runs up and attaches to it as if that is a natural extension of the ceiling. If you got closer, you can see that it would be possible to see through the rubble or even squeeze your way through potentially for some of you. And the only other thing that I would say is of interest is now that you're in there, you see regular set paintings of a elf in various forms. Sometimes this elf that has really waxen moon-like skin, long ears, and thin features is often staring at you guys as if looking at unwanted intruders. And some of it, they are with family, kind of doing the classic like man resting a hand on the shoulder of his wife and their child in, in their arms. Other times is standing there with a sword or some sort of a weapon held proudly in all of these things. This figure is dressed richly with this crown atop of its head, a crown that is the only thing that looks a bit out of place. While gold and encrusted in jewels, it looks like it has some sort of archaic machinery designed to it, thorns riding across the ridgeline of this. Our, our Texas uh, looks up to Tauntaun. Um, Tauntaun, did he, uh, try to remember the tale you said. Didn't you say that the original, uh, the people of Balistar, the original ones who became the Capo Warabi, uh, did you say they were elves originally? I did, I did. Would you look at these pictures? Yes, yes. High elves, of, of course, too. Can we see past here? If you went up this rubble, go ahead and make a make a perception roll. Okay, I'm moving up to the ship. 18. You're able to peer through, and you can see the extent of this rubble. This rubble wall is just the beginning. It looks like a good portion of the entire ceiling caved in, and the ceiling caved in, but so did the floor. 
whatever shook this area caused it to crater in. And you see a drop that goes down for about 20 feet. Now the water goes down along the walls Mm -hmm. and fills the bottom. And at the bottom, you see a shape floating, a small shape. But it's distinctly wearing the white of a skin suit and has some sort of like ridge of like spikes along its back and a small tail. It looks to be no bigger than the size of a child. I go back to tell you guys what I saw. Alice will look to the Tauntaun and ask, do you possibly know by the description if this fits anything of the previous stories? Yes, actually it does. If, and if you guys think that is all right, I would like to confirm it by opening this door. Yeah, whatever gets us out of these fish faster. What do you think is behind the door? I think that it might be some sort of offering chamber. I think that this is a a burial chamber. I think that this is what was spoken of as a, a tomb for masters. And then those who were beholden to the master or who thought that this master brought good things to society would come to either visit the grave or usually to put offerings uh, that show the greatness of this person and usually that room of offerings is closer to the entrance so that all who pass by might first look upon it. And would the picture of the man that we see here, would that be the person that the chamber's for? That would be my best guess. I, I can't I can't go any further than to guess that, of course, but it's odd to have this sort of a, you know, why not have it be a, a building? Yeah. But this is, from what we know of the old architecture, it wouldn't be anything like this. I can stealth in first. Oh, by all means, be my guest. Maybe a little bit better than with Blossom. That's fair. 19. You jimmy the door open just a little bit doesn't even make a noise so you then push it open the water seems to know that you're trying to move it and the water just you come into a small squat square room within you see a room plated in gold gold that seems to shimmer just below the few inches of water at the center of the room there is a a grayish pedestal that you can step up onto set in the center of the pedestal is a statue carved of well, like the figure, this man in the paintings. The water runs up to the statue and wraps around it, similar to, similar to what Bartholomew showed you, like kind of like this like almost human-like figure. You see an elf of, well, grandiose proportions thanks to the statue. And you see that various accoutrements have been added to it. What was once a plain statue with like a katana and the traditional kimono garb has now, was long ago, garbed in various other things added. And then you look around the room and you see old letters that lie atop of stonework tables that rise up and are not, don't have water coming up onto them. You see urns, you see scroll work that is laying on the, on the wall of like single letters and is written in a strange language that you've never seen. And the odd thing though, that does strike you that maybe something has been moving around here is on one of these stone tables there is a strange incense that burns softly. Mm. Does it look like it's freshly burning? Yes. Or like it's been burning? No, it's freshly burning. I think Clyde's gonna investigate the urns. Nat 20. Fresh ash kind of flies up into your face. (coughs) Inside you find knuckle bones still wearing rings. You find like mostly ashes, but various like not all the way destroyed things that would suggest someone or something sacrifice given. Hmm. Well, there's nothing in here except some jewelry and ashes. Oh, Atlas, you may be able to make some of your money back at least. Oh, there's more in here than jewelry and ashes. Look at this. This, Tauntaun walks over to what the scroll work, and he says, this is an old dead language. 
we can run this against some of the oldest languages spoken on Ballastar and see if we can actually figure out how they spoke. This is worth... Well, this is invaluable. Uh, they, uh, <laughs> I mean, think of the contributions that we can make to Ballastarian culture. I mean, this is uh, an opportunity to uh, revive dead history. If... Not to be a downer, but if this is a history that should be revived... I mean, some histories die for a reason. Oh, well, I mean, I, that is true, but uh, there's nothing saying that reviving uh, uh, um, lost information means that it has to be applied. Um, I think uh, the study of the past is uh, 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 very powerful in determining what to do in the present. It's a very optimistic way of looking at things. I like to think so. Mm. Well, Clive's going to take a mental record of all of the the drawings and the carved letters and whatnot and was that all the urns did they have pretty much the same thing in them or should do i need to investigate each one i would say very i would say various things but all in all we'll say that you if you wish to take them you find seven various jewels that would fetch a good price i maybe i can come back for these later Clive just has he just has a feeling that's maybe not the greatest. Ray, on the other <laughs> hand, does not have such reservation. She is going to try to take one, just one, without the rest of the party knowing. Make a slide of hand roll. Twelve? Everyone but Artixis notices you. <laughs> hey, uh, Ray, what are you doing over there? Just exploring. Mm, well, just... Uh... Don't get your dirty hands on anything. These are so valuable, Clive. We could sell these for a fortune. Yeah, well, we could. But, uh... Can we come back? I'm down for coming back. Yeah, once we get work done, obviously we're going to have to come back this way, most likely. But Fine. I'm going to pretend to put it back, but not actually put it back. (laughs) You can make a deception roll at disadvantage, and that's the last roll on it. Well, 14. Clive notices. I'm sorry. You know what? Just do whatever you want. I, <laughs> if you want to take it, go ahead. Okay, well, you saw me. It doesn't. I can't take it if you saw me take it. There is a ripple that runs through all of the water when Ray picks up and puts down the jewel, both on the ceiling and on the ground. I put it back. So there's nothing else plain to see. There's nothing else in this room. It's just the one way in, one way out kind of deal. Clive, as you look about one last time in the room, the only thing of interest is in the four corners are smaller statues of other elves, but they are all on their knees and prostrated towards the elf in the center. The water runs up around them similarly, but they wear a similar designed implement that the elf is wearing on its head with the spikes and the weird machinery strapped around their necks. I rush out of the room. Uh, uh, hmm. I was never good at any of this history crap. Well, I'm not seeing anything else and I'm getting kind of claustrophobic, so I, I think I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna leave. Uh, Todd, Todd, I have um, uh, Bar- uh, Bartholomew's uh, got snapshots of uh, all of the all, all of the engravings on the wall, so we could analyze these. Uh, probably outside of here, I think would probably be the best idea. I think that's a great idea, lad. Do, uh, does that does that hollow bit work, by the way? Um, yes, I just need to uh, g- give me a moment to um, uh, t- uh, pull out my tinker's tools, and I'm going to cast mending on it. Our Texas pulls out like something that looks kind of like a dental pick and a very tiny like pair of like needle nose pliers and uh, as he like pulls at the, the little shorting wires on it from little tiny like pinprick sized holes uh, on the tips of the tools uh, small numbers of nanobots uh, actually begin to come out and like he'll like hold one wire next to another and the nanobots will start stitching it together he's doing half the work while the nanobots do the other half it comes to life with a and the image comes kind of out of a central like 
camera node so that it extends up out of your palm. You see what appears to be some sort of dragonborn child dressed in a white skin suit. And it is being ushered away by an older dragonborn, just pushing it, pushing it. The older dragonborn's holding some sort of vat, and the vat has like something like flying around it. It looks like some sort of cloud of dust with like these darkened eyes just trying to escape. They seem to be in some sort of a ship, something bigger. There's a sound of an explosion somewhere in the distance, and there's a light. They're, they seem to be talking. It's hard to understand what they're saying. You're, you're hearing some sort of dragonborn language, this and then eventually you hear someone say I, I, I said go, go, go get them and it's hard to understand exactly but it seems like someone with like some sort of like a lisp or a paralyzed half face and you see these two assaulters come running out one is this woman who is like holding some sort of like powered sledgehammer and half of her face is limp as if paralyzed from something. One arm is paralyzed. And then there's another there's another man with her who looks somewhat goofy. They appear to be pirates. And they end up attacking these dragonborn. The, the dragonborn start fighting them off. They break open this jar. This dust creature comes out and starts fighting these pirates. And eventually the older dragonborn pushes the other dragonborn into what appears to be an escape pod and from his cloak hands this uh younger dragonborn some sort of golden egg a golden egg that atlas and clive both recognize but rather than just being a symbol on a vat it is the egg itself hands it to this this younger dragonborn and the door closes with a (laughs) as it starts to jettison off you can see as it then pulls forward and you get the face of this younger dragonborn and it seems to be talking into the video (laughs) then it pans down so you can see this egg that it's holding very protectively and you can see like some sort of a wound in its body it then changes the image and looks out and it's almost as if you're looking at balistar escape pod is hurtling towards balistar then it zooms back to this child's face and it points at its head, showing some sort of a circlet that almost looks like royalty. And then it fades to darkness. Wow, that's, um... Okay. Um, well, I don't know what any of that was about, but, um... I'm going to go back over to where that white skin suit was that I saw and see if I can see it still. So as you make your way back to the rubble, there's another pulsating of the water. Atlas, you're the one to see this. Rising up from the waters to what would be kind of like diagonally behind you. It's as if the water is forming this head, this creature that you've seen in the image of Bartholomew, like a specter rising up out of the water. This thing is coalescing and the fish begin to kind of move to the side as if pushed. And out from it rises, which you know I have been calling the Capadarbe. It is made of swelling waters, red crimson eyes that then fade to deep blue and kind of go back and forth. And it's just a swirling mass. Somewhere beneath all of this water that is like eddies around a body, you can make out the dark shape of something deeper within it. Ray jumps behind the rock. As she's jumping, she shoots. The Capoeira Arbe raises its hand and you see this disc-shaped element in it and it starts to spin it between two hands the water itself almost creating like a an axle in which to spin it super fast and the gold begins to glint with the blue crystal embedded in the center it begins to vibrate this just strong hue the glow gets bigger and bigger and bigger and i need everyone to make a wisdom saving throw four Eight or 
10 for Artixis and a 19 for Bartholomew. Only Atlas and Bartholomew seem unfazed by what is happening. Everyone else, you begin to feel this just deep avarice begin to creep up out of your heart. You begin to lose sight of your friends, your foes, and all you can see is this this thing, this gold piece moving around faster and faster, hypnotizing you, inciting this deep greed. And what incite greed does is a creature charmed in this way can do nothing but use its movement to approach the caster in a safe manner. While an affected creature is within five feet of you, it cannot move, but simply stares greedily at the gem you present. At the end of each of its turns, an affected target may make a wisdom saving throw. If it succeeds, the effect ends on that target. Artixis, you're up, and Atlas is on deck. suppose I am forced to wade through the fish to go stare at this pretty, pretty gem. You're able to move all the way up to it. You dismount from Bartholomew. You get five feet from it. It is the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. As uh, uh, 18. And then suddenly, as you're standing there, all of it begins to melt away as you begin to realize you're standing before this horror. Now that you're face to face with it, you can see this like watery mouth beginning to open into a complete abysmal darkness within. Ah! Atlas will rage. And he's going to rush towards it. As you're rushing towards it, you suddenly get this spidey sense feeling as your danger sense goes off. And you see right next to the creature, once you're up next to it, this small area of water that begins to shimmer. It's like dull gold. And I believe danger sense, right, is for spells, yes? Uh, it's for, basically, it says get- saves on dex saves versus traps and spells. So you may go ahead and make a saving throw with your dex with advantage. Dex. Yeah, 10 plus 1, 11. It's too late. The water splashes up. This, like, goldish water wraps around Atlas, surrounding him in a globe of it, and lifts him so that he's hanging, stuck in this ball of water. And he's just suspended, restrained. Atlas, you can make a dexterity saving throughout the end of each of your turns to end the effect of this. But as of right now, you are restrained right there. Hmm. So I can't move any closer. Try to break break free of the uh, charm. Nat 20. All of it melts away. And you see this thing. Clive is just shocked and he like stumbles back and against the wall. We could sell these for a fortune. And she rolled a six. So she is still under its spell. Atlas, you are incapacitated. It's your turn. You are stuck in the bubble of water trying to escape. Uh, 17 plus 1, 18. Break out when the water splashes to the ground. The Capoeira sinks into the water and it comes over to Clive and it forms up around him, intertwining around him. I need you to go ahead and make a strength saving throw clive an 11 as it forms the water rises like a geyser battering you but there's a top that keeps you from flying in and the water keeps shooting in and out and you can just make out some sort of an ethereal body within that seems to dissipate just enough to let you kind of be trapped within its body you take 16 points of bludgeoning damage and you are also grappled within it oh man oh god uh, uh, Cl- Clive, Clive! Artix is panicking a little bit. Um, he grasps the hat. It gets worse. You go to grasp it. And you remember when you got stuck and everything seemed fine? Your wrench is not on your back. Clive, brace yourself! I grab a little device, this little like whirling, uh, looks kind of like disc, but it's got like a, a individually uh, like rotating center, kind of like one of those gyroscope things that's got all the different like moving parts. Um, and I hurl it into the water at Clive and I'm casting enlarge on Clive. 
So collide. Get bigger, bigger, bigger. And you are still trapped, but you suddenly, you feel as if everything is possible. If I swing at it, I'm just gonna actually hit Clive. Alice will reckless attack. 26. 20. She swings forth, the crescent blade slicing into it, and then you twist the blade in, almost pulling out water with it. Poof! Like a punctured hole. Its concentration is not broken, and sight greed still stays on as the Kapuarbe continues to hold Clive. Noticing that Artixis was the one who enlarged the size of Clive, it raises two fists up and it slams them down, one after the other. It's as a re uh, reaction as uh, forward, Artixis grabs what looks like a like a gumball uh, out of a pocket and he throws it at, uh, at his feet. Now. A bubble appears around him and his AC increases by five. Okay, so that goes up to uh, 19. 19. Okay, he rolled a 21. Damn it! <laughs> for a second looks like the shield's gonna hold and then it starts to materialize and give way the nanobots falling apart the slam comes through and, and that is 17 points of bludgeoning damage then it pulls clive down into the water as much as it can and it tries to move through everyone atlas i need you to make a strength contested roll against it please 17 plus 7 19 it tries to go through it can't pull clive without letting go of him and so Clive's body runs into your shins like you're a, a wall of steel, and the creature gives up and stays where it is. Artixis is going to back up, and the shield is gone, and uh, he's going to pull a, a syringe out of another pouch and stick it in his leg and cast Cure Wounds on himself. The score, which is 10. And so it begins to stitch up the bruises and the tearing of the skin. Bartholomew, get Clive out of there! and uh, Bartholomew is going to scuttle forward and attempt to do a force rend on the beastie. Right away. Uh, and that's a natural 20 plus seven, so. He just opens his mouth and puts like his mouth into the water and this concussive blast. Clive, you're up and Ray, you are on deck. And that's a 19. Breaking out of the water, pulling yourself out, this enlarged Clive, who is, stands even taller than Atlas himself. Why am I so big? <laughs> <laughs> I am moving five feet closer. These are so valuable. So we could sell these for a fortune. I'll take more swings on it. And it seems to shrink just a little bit. So Texas is going to open his palm and uh, arcs of lightning cross between all the metal caps in the pad of his glove. And he's just going to stick it into the thing and he's going to cast Shocking Grasp. I need everyone within five feet of it to go ahead and roll a constitution saving throw. Nine. So Artixis got a seven. Um, and Bartholomew got a 23. Everyone who rolled less than a 17 for their save takes the regular point of damage from the shocking grasp. That's 13? As you throw this in, electricity arcs up and down, even down to the bottom where this Kapuarba's body blends in with the water of the hallway and then spreads out, affecting everyone within five feet. Clive, electricity arching up your body, up Atlas, and up also Artixis's. The Kapuarba begins to burble and it sinks into the water and tries to dart away. Yeah. Everyone gets an attack of opportunity if they can succeed on their perception roll to see where it's a, a part of the water. Its body looks like the water now. Mm, uh, <laughs> come on, Bartholomew. 15. And again, Bartholomew coming in clutch with the 17. Plus three, so dirty 20. Clive and Bartholomew, you're the only ones that are able to track the direction the Capuarbe is going. 26. Bartholomew's muzzle sticks into the water again, and you hear that. You guys see, even as the, the body of the water breaks, that darkened spirit 
continues through the water away. But there is a tremble of the water in the ceilings and on the floor. There is a tremble of water that is this gateway to the greater water of the bay and the sea. And then it all collapses. Seawater rushing in from behind you, seawater rushing in from above, below, and the where else in the chamber you can't see. I want everyone to go ahead and make any skill that they would use as you are getting thrown about to avoid being completely battered. Uh, yeah, athletics. Uh, 24 for me. 25? Yeah, 27. Um, Do a acrobatics to try to grab onto Bartholomew, and that's a 7. Everything goes dark. Many of you are battered back and forth <laughs> before you finally get a chance to grab onto something or to hold onto something. That's a lot of dice. The initial damage for everyone who succeeded on the save is 7 bludgeoning. Okay. Those who didn't is 14. Then I'm unconscious. Hands grab onto you just as you go unconscious, and suddenly you're getting pulled away. The stone rubble at the end of the hallway gives away from the water getting pushed in as you guys all kind of get enough bearing to see Tauntaun grasping onto Artixis for life as they are getting pushed and rushed further into the deeper etches of this burial tomb. And I think for now, that's probably a good place to call the game. Oh no! Artixis! <laughs> oh boy. You did give him permission. I, I <laughs> you know, <laughs> my sweet suit boy. <laughs> I don't think he's going to die. I, I, you know, I. No, not like that. <laughs> Thank you for listening, guys. It has been a real pleasure having Eris in the studio. And it looks like we have one more game to do with our guest before we close out this beginning chapter to season two. So. Thank See you, guys. You later, spacers. And see you later, spacers. Thank you for listening to this episode of Starlight. If you enjoyed this, please like, share, subscribe. For early releases, exclusive RPG content, and other bonus material, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash starlightadventures. And to reach us for questions to be aired, email us at the starlightadventures at gmail.com. See you next Tuesday, spacers. <laughs>